God is with us. God is with us. That's what we celebrate today. We're so thankful. God said his house will be a house of prayer for all nations. And one of the significant things we do when we gather on Sundays is pray. Pray individually, pray with each other, pray for each other, pray as a church family. Think of all the prayers of the kids this morning in their classes and how God hears those prayers. We also gather together Sundays at eight. You're welcome to come and join that prayer group. We have a prayer team after every service. If you're ever here and you need prayer for any situation, just make your way over to our prayer team. And then once a month, which we're gonna do today at the end of this message, the elders are available to pray. And that comes from scripture in James chapter five, where God brings that invitation, says, gather the elders that they would have oil and that they would pray for whoever needs prayer. Maybe you need prayer today for your mental health, your physical health, your marriage, your decisions you're making. There's gonna be an invitation. Maybe you're ready to trust Christ for the first time. There's an invitation at the end of the message to come forward and receive prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together right now. Father, we thank you that you are so good and kind and faithful. And God, we worship you. You are the Prince of Peace. God, there are situations in our lives right now that don't feel peaceful at all. And today we wanna bring those to you and invite your presence, your power, and your peace in those very situations. We rely on you, we're not ashamed of that. And we thank you, God, that you hear our prayers and that you move powerfully for your glory and our good. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. In this Advent series, the word Advent means the coming or the arrival of Jesus. We look back, it's past, present, and future. We look back and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Also in the present, there's a reception in our hearts of Christ who, like the Bible says, stands at the door of our hearts and knocks, and we wanna open up and say, you're welcome here, Lord Jesus. Lead and guide and take over. We follow you. And there's also an anticipation looking forward to the return of Christ, which is guaranteed the consummation of this kingdom and glory we've been waiting for our entire lives, and every day we're closer. We wanna be prepared for the return of Christ. Advent is that fullness, and there's different themes in Advent. Think about the themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. Not just abstract concepts, but the hope, peace, joy, and love of Jesus. Advent is about drawing near to Jesus, and that's why we gather here today. In this focus on peace, there's a word in the Bible over 200 times, and the word is shalom. Shalom. Let's say that together. Shalom. Turn to the person next to you and say, shalom. shalom. That's right, shalom is a greeting. And in our culture, sometimes we say, hey, what's up? How are you? We don't even wait for the person to answer, how are you? How are you is just like, I see you. How are you? What's up? Hey. And all of those are options, but shalom means something much deeper. Shalom means, may you be filled with the peace of God. Amen. When you say shalom to someone, you're declaring a blessing May you be filled with the complete, perfect, holistic peace of God. And not only is it a greeting, but it's also a farewell. When you're saying goodbye to someone, you say shalom. And in our culture, we say bye, see ya, later, out. Like we, we've got our favorites, right? Isn't shalom a little deeper, a little more rich? 
that when you're saying farewell, you're saying, may God fill you with his perfect peace. We say shalom, shalom is throughout the Bible. And I think everyone in this room today desires peace. There's no one here who's saying, I I don't really want peace. I'm looking for something different. I I like more chaos in my life. That's why I came today. I'm looking for more chaos. And we're gonna turn to the Prince of Peace with those desires. And we're gonna focus on how do you access this peace? There are a lot of threats to the peace that we desire. And we want to say yes to God's presence, his perspective with peace, and his power that is linked to peace as well. Three questions we're gonna highlight today. The first one, what peace does Jesus offer you right now? What peace? Isaiah chapter nine, and we consider the names of Jesus. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That tells us peace is relational. Jesus restores peace, provides peace, protects peace, secures peace. Peace is found in Jesus. Draw near to Jesus and you're gonna have peace because that's who he is. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the source of the peace that we want. Not only is peace relational, but there's also a positional aspect to peace. In Romans chapter five, verse one, we have a position in Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Your identity is that you are in Christ. You are in God's family forever if you put your trust in Jesus. If he's your savior and your Lord, no one can take that away from you. And in Christ, you have an eternal peace. This is your position. And what an honor, what a gift. The grace of God abounds when we say that my position is in Christ and in his peace. It's position. It's also experiential, relational, positional, experiential. What does that look like? Philippians chapter four, we make choices every day. Peace increases and decreases during the day. Let's read this together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you read, do not be anxious about anything, is that kind of challenging? Is that kind of convicting? Don't we all have about 20 things right now we're tempted to be anxious about? Notice, not only positionally do we have peace with God, But we also, in this passage, can have the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, and it's linked to some choices. When you choose to pray, I can't think of a better habit to cultivate when it comes to peace than prayer. When you choose to pray, God deposits and provides 
his peace. When you choose to give your burdens to God, not everyone wants to do that. Some people want to hold their burdens. They want to strap extra burdens on their shoulders. But when you give your burdens to God, then God gives peace. When you choose thanksgiving, not everyone wants to thank God. Some people just want to thank themselves or take blessings for granted, act like they're entitled. You might not have that much peace, but when you start thanking God throughout the day to the point where people are looking at you like, how are you so thankful? Why are you thanking God again? Why are you not complaining more? Why are you not griping more? Why are you thanking God? His peace starts to grow. There's choices. It's conditional in many ways the amount of peace that we have in our lives, and that's part of the experience in God's peace. There's also a transformational aspect with peace. In Ephesians chapter six, verse 15, we're reminded that this is a gospel of peace. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Beautiful feet, feet ready to travel and go to where people are. People who don't have peace. People who are ready to share this gospel of peace. Gospel means good news. We're coming with good news. Through our actions, through our words, through what we say as we lead people to Jesus, as you come with a non-anxious presence and people sense that, you know what? They're drawn to this gospel. They're drawn to Jesus. The peace in the Bible is not merely a personal individual feeling. That is just a small part All of these aspects are foundational, that peace is relational, it's positional, it's experiential, it's transformational. Why? Because this peace of God, it includes closeness with God. It includes upward and inward and outward. It includes far more than just how I personally am feeling. It includes going to where people are and bringing the shalom of God into our cities. Jeremiah 29 says, Seek the shalom of God in your city, for your city, as you serve your city, pray for your city, love the people in your city. May God's shalom increase throughout the city. It's not just for me, how am I feeling? It's about God, who is the source, close to him, and then what he wants to do in my heart, in my home, and then what he wants to do in us, through us, and beyond us, around the city, that his shalom would increase. And may his shalom increase across the sound as we seek Jesus together in this Christmas time, this Advent time. Peace, as you look at the Bible, it's that fullness of shalom. It's far more than just the absence of war. A country like ours right now doesn't have a massive military conflict in war that we have to look at and be part of and hear bombs exploding every day. Now, Does that mean that America has shalom in peace? No, we don't. Because shalom is so much more deeper than just the absence of conflict. Now, in marriage, sometimes there's conflict. There's arguments. There's intense fellowship. Sometimes there isn't. Just because two people, let's say they're not arguing, does that mean they have shalom? No, just because there's not a conflict going on doesn't mean that there's shalom. Shalom goes deeper. And as we start here today, it's so important to have God's perspective on peace. This foundational peace in scripture, the fullness of peace. This is a peace that in the middle of the chaos, and oh, do we have chaos in our world today. In the middle of the chaos, we go to Jesus 
and we receive, what is he offering? This positional, experiential, transformational peace. These, the Prince of Peace. That's what we want. That's what we want. And do we have that kind of peace throughout the week? You know, is a continual deep, rich peace, shalom peace like that just overflows from our lives? Well, no. Why? Because there's peace blockers. What do we do with these peace blockers? Well, the second question is, what are your peace blockers? And let's look at this from a couple of angles. It's important to identify your peace blockers. And then not only to identify them, but to overcome them and in some cases obliterate these blockers. The first major blocker is sin. Sin kills peace. Sin steals your peace. Sin destroys peace. What is sin? Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is not honoring his word. What does it look like specifically? It looks like pride, envy, gossip, slander, impurity, worry, complaining, unforgiveness, being harsh and rude with people, being selfish. These are just some examples of sin. And what you can't have is the peace of God and sin at the same time. They just don't travel together. What do we do? We take that sin in our lives that's unconfessed, unrepentant. We shift. Isaiah 59, verse 8. God knows the sin in the land. He says, the way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. They have turned them into crooked roads. No one who walks along them will know peace. You can't go down crooked roads and have the peace of God. The peace of God will not go with you down those crooked roads. If you don't have peace today, it's good to stop and check what crooked roads am I going down and oh, that I may return to God and walk in his ways. The Bible says be holy and there's a couple aspects to holiness. In one sense, we are already holy in Christ. What does that mean? We have the assurance of salvation, the assurance of the forgiveness of sins. We give Jesus our sins. He gives us his holiness and righteousness. We already have it for eternity. We are holy before God right now. Amazing. And also there's an aspect of holiness where we choose how we live daily. And because you have this identity in Christ, so choose actions that are aligned with heaven and your new identity, your new creation in Christ. Be holy. Those choices that honor God, holiness matters. When holiness is missing in the church, the peace of God is missing in the church. You can't have the shalom if the people don't, if there's sin in the camp, the shalom is not pervasive. We turn to God, we humble ourselves. What more could we do now than to humble ourselves and turn from sin and turn from our wicked ways and our rebellion that God would bring healing and peace in our homes and in the land. That's the posture we take as we want to honor God, be holy. And holiness isn't just a personal choice, it's also in our relationships. Romans chapter 12 describes it this way, live in harmony with one another. And that means do everything you can do to live in peace with one another. It's gonna include not being proud, also be willing to associate with people of low position in the culture, and do not be conceited. This is part of, this is part of overcoming the peace blockers in the land. Also, Matthew chapter five, 
Verse nine, don't forget our calling. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You are not called to go bring strife. You are called to bring peace, to bring shalom. That is your calling in this land. If we are not faithful in our calling, this land will not look like shalom. But we are called, starting in our homes and then in the land, to bring this shalom. Sin kills peace. Say yes to Jesus and no to sin. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. The Bible keeps you from sin. Sin keeps you from the Bible. Let God's word dwell in you richly. Let the Holy Spirit into these parts of our lives. We want the peace of God. We don't want these sin blockers. So we're gonna throw off the sin that so easily entangles today. We're gonna experience his freedom and his peace in a deeper measure. In addition to sin, what's another aspect to receiving the peace or how is peace blocked as it relates to the Holy Spirit? Now, you might be walking with God, have noble intentions, and you just wanna live for God and bless people. And here's the key. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. There's gonna be times where the Holy Spirit nudges you, communicates with you, sometimes in a very strong way, sometimes in a whisper. Have you had this before? God's Spirit and God's Word, they're always together. They always align communicating to you with compassion, with truth. It's compelling, sometimes it's convicting. And the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart, to your mind, and say, this isn't the way of peace. This isn't where I want you. You might be dating someone and the Holy Spirit saying, this isn't the one, this isn't the one. <laughs> You're in a marriage and the Holy Spirit saying, that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. You might be in a job and the Holy Spirit's saying, actually, gonna move you to a different job. This isn't the job. You have a holy restlessness. Your priorities, the Holy Spirit's saying, nope, those aren't my priorities. There's a holy restlessness. This role, it's a little different. You, you need to keep that, but change your role a little bit. Change your focus right here. There's a holy restlessness because you might worship God and then say, there's still something going on and that work is from the Spirit to align you with God. It could be your attitude, your motive sometimes, where the Holy Spirit is saying, just adjust, pivot, shift, align right here. And if you listen to God's Spirit and trust God's Spirit, he will make the adjustments and it'll be peace that floods into your soul. If you don't have that peace, listen to God's Word and God's Spirit and just say, all right, what are you saying? What are you saying, God? I'm listening. Now, there's gonna be other times where the Holy Spirit confirms and affirms the direction in spite of the situation, the people around you. And I remember when I went to seminary in Dallas, made that decision by faith that God was leading me into vocational ministry. I'll remember at that time, I had no money. I didn't know anyone in Dallas. My family definitely didn't want me to go that route. <laughs> Nothing subtle about that. And then... Even my mentors were saying, no, 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 no. And yet, when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something and you know God's in it, ultimately, it really doesn't matter who and what is happening around you because you know that you know. And similar coming to Seattle for Lori and I, 
We knew God provided clarity. We're in the middle of an adoption. It would be six more months before that was completed. But we knew we were coming to Seattle. In coming to, to Grace and working with the elders, it was clear it was a new season. And we were gonna have life groups. They were gonna be at the core of the church. We were in debt, 2.3 million. We prayed we would get out of debt. We would start to um, reach out to the community in new ways. It would include media also. We knew that our church would be all generations, very balanced. That was the prayer, the vision, that we would see people from all nations and ethnicities here. And that was the vision. And I could go on about the things God communicated, but there was a lot that it was clear. It wasn't necessarily going to be an easy road, but there was clarity. Do you have that clarity from God in your life right now where you know where God's leading and you're trusting him and you're walking by faith. I, what I sense for this next year, as God speaks to me, is raise up more people, build up more leaders, and we need to go out and bring God's hope into the culture, and it's gonna be all of God's body doing it together. That's what I'm hearing. What are you hearing? What is God saying to you? And those two aspects of throwing off the sin, being in step with the Holy Spirit, And here's the third piece, it's surrender, surrender. Now, we love the hymns, appreciate the hymns. Sometimes there'll be a request for a hymn and a favorite is, I surrender all. Do you know that hymn? It's like, can we sing, I surrender all? It's great to sing, I surrender all. You know what's even better? To actually do it, to actually do it. That's even better. Well, what is the truth? If we sing the truth, what does the truth sometimes look like? I surrender a little, a little. We don't sing that, do we? I surrender, it doesn't sound quite the same. I surrender a little. I surrender a little, a little to thee, my blessed savior. I wanna surrender a little, a little. It just doesn't, worship is not, Are we singing your favorite song? Worship is not, that's my favorite. Worship is not, how many singers, which instruments. Worship is not, what's on the screen as we worship. Worship is not. You know what the only thing worship is? Is when you come before God and you say, I fully surrender. That's worship. That's where God calls us to be. You can't skip over that. I know there's BK that keeps singing, have it your way. They've been singing that for a long time. That jingle, have it your way at BK. People enjoying their hamburgers, singing like, yeah, my Whopper, I'm gonna have it my way. It's about my way. And then not only does it start in BK, but then it goes beyond BK. And we got BK that slipped into the church. The people showing up saying, I'm gonna have it my way because it's about my way. And what happened to thy way? Thy kingdom, thy will. You don't say that with a full heart without surrender. If you don't surrender, you sing my way, my kingdom, my will. And when you surrender, you start to say thy will, thy way, thy kingdom, and worship starts to happen. We don't need that BK church jingle. That's not a church jingle right there. 
Let me say it this way. You can't abide with Jesus unless you surrender. And if you abide with Jesus, you'll bear much fruit. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is peace. But there will be no abiding without surrendering. There's no worshiping without surrendering. This is our spiritual act of worship to surrender. And what would we rather do than surrender? Well, I'd rather just make a lot of purchases in December than surrender. I'd rather have my comfort food, my peace food, than surrender. People in this culture are saying, I'd rather smoke something and drink something than surrender. I'd rather go for that perfect position. You know that purchase I made? That's what's gonna bring me peace. If I just get the right purchase and get it just set up just right, then I'm gonna have the peace of God. No, it's not. You can't buy this peace. You can't go out and get this peace anywhere. It's not found in the blessings. It's found in the blesser. It's not found in what's created. It's found in the creator. That's where you find this peace. And it comes when we surrender. You know, it's been pointed out in the Bible. There's 1,189 chapters. You say, how many of those chapters is everything peaceful? Well, we got Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And then we kind of got the rest of the Bible, not so much. And then we got Revelation that gives us a glimpse at the very end that perfect peace is coming. Well, what does that tell us? In the middle of all that chaos, we need to surrender, to bend the knee. Now, what does surrender really look like? I want to blow away the misconceptions of surrender Some people think, oh, surrender, then life's a breeze. Almost the opposite. Almost the opposite. Well, why do I say that? Is anyone more surrendered than Jesus to the Father? Perfect submission. Even in Gethsemane before the cross, he says, not my will. This cup of suffering, I'll drink it if you want me to. I'll go to the cross. I'll surrender and lay down my life on the cross. If you want me to, I'll drink the cup. He drinks the cup of suffering. But there is an agonizing surrender in Gethsemane. Jesus is perfect in his surrender. No one's more surrendered. And at the same time, I don't think the cost is going to be any higher than what Jesus goes through. If you surrender more, is the cost of your life going to be less? I'm not preaching that. I'm not preaching that. Will you be misunderstood less? I'm not preaching that. Jesus was completely misunderstood over and over again. Well, will there be no more conflict? Jesus is in conflict every chapter of the Gospels. People want to kill him constantly, take him down constantly. Do you have immunity to that because you surrender? Not in the least. Sacrifice? Jesus surrendered and laid down his life. Because he laid down his life, God calls us to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. There's no less sacrifice, no less suffering because we surrender. And that's where people say, that's why I don't want to surrender. That's exactly why I surrender a little. I surrender a little. Well, I had a false view of surrendering. When I became a Christian, I didn't grow up with the Bible, didn't grow up following Jesus. When I heard that word surrender, it just sounded really boring to me, to be honest. It sounded really passive to me. 
Like we're just gonna sit in our chairs and just watch what happens in the world. When I took a deeper dive into surrender, what I see is that Jesus is surrendered and very, very invested with his time and energy. He's surrendered and he's very, very intentional. He's not just passive. Surrender isn't just, well, whatever will be, will be. We'll just watch the world fall apart and be surrendered. That'll be a great vision. No, in fact, Jesus is also very, very passionate. I don't think you have anyone more surrendered and more passionate than Jesus. Surrender is not lukewarm. Surrender is not excuses. Surrender is absolutely going after it with everything God's given to us and knowing that I can't do it alone, but through the Holy Spirit, I will go for that goal of faithfulness. That's the vision of surrendered. In one sense, dead, yes, to all my selfishness and sin. In the other sense, never more alive. That's surrendered. It looks more like serving than impressing. It looks more like being authentic than just chasing approval. And it's more interested in being faithful to God than being light. This is the peace of God. This is the freedom that comes in surrender. Throw off sin, say yes to the spirit, Surrender your life to Jesus and you will have the shalom of God. The blockers won't block it anymore. You will have that freedom. You will have that depth and it'll be upward, inward and outward. It'll never be so obvious in your life. Let's throw off those blockers today as we identify and overcome those. And here's what we celebrate. How powerful is the peace of Jesus? How good is the peace of Jesus? Here's a picture from Odessa, Texas, and it's drive-through prayer. Now, their sign looks like our sign, and that's because there's some collaboration going on. They wanted to have drive-through prayer. We've been having drive-through prayer. We started once, that turned into an every week, and now the last couple years, other cities are saying, we want to have drive-through prayer, like Enumclaw and Puyallup, and things are starting to go where places where God is taking it. And in Odessa, cars are pulling up now in drive-through prayer. We're excited, like, Where's it gonna happen next? Wouldn't it be awesome just to see prayer pervasive across the sound in this next year? Can you think of anything we need more in the sound than prayer? And as we pray, can you imagine the peace that God would pour out into these broken relationships, into this narrative of hopelessness? Can you imagine the shalom that God wants to give? Well, drive through prayer. I was talking to someone on our team that said, on Friday, two days ago, four people put their trust in Christ here at Drive Through Prayer. What's happening? People today are searching for peace. Where can I find peace? And what we're doing with Drive Through Prayer is just a small picture of what we all want to be doing throughout the entire week. We're going to where people are and we're listening to them. We're getting close with people. And as they share their stories and they share their lives, we pray for them, we pray with them. We come alongside them and God shows up and God brings peace and God brings hope. And it doesn't just happen on Fridays from five to seven, but that's the life God has called us to live together in Auburn, in the sound for such a time as this. God's peace is so good and powerful. In Luke chapter two, as you consider the different passages and read them together alone and in your homes. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news 
that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This peace from God, it's from heaven. It's full of glory. It's intentional. God pursues us with his peace. It's not just for when you're in a church building. It's out in the fields. It's not just for a couple people. It's for everyday people like shepherds. And is everyone gonna experience his peace? No, it says on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The message is for everyone, but only some are gonna say yes to the Messiah and his shalom. Let's say yes to the Lord. Luke chapter two, and think about Simeon who was in the temple. He was listening to the spirit. God revealed Christ will be born, the Messiah. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The peace of God was linked to Simeon's. It was his purpose and his destiny to literally pick up the Prince of Peace, this little baby. Your destiny, your purpose, your calling, it's linked to the peace of God. And the peace of God coming to you is gonna empower you to be faithful to all God's designed you to become and do. It's linked to his peace. Isaiah chapter 26, verse three, God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Do you ever feel like some people are on a mission during the week to steal your peace? You ever feel like you're coming out of church, you're like, woo, I got some shalom going on today. And then by the time it's three o'clock in the afternoon, you're already, what did they say? What did they post? What did they just do? How come they didn't do that? What's going on over here? And the, the same shalom you had in the parking lot is not the same shalom you're enjoying two hours later. Like, well, well, what does God say in the middle of that? If you focus on Jesus and trust Jesus, this peace is unstoppable. No one can steal this peace unless you give it to them. The shalom that you have right now, it's not for you to just hand out to everybody and say, oh, you said that, well, then take my peace. You did that, well, take my peace. I just gave away all my peace. Now I'm just a victim. It's all their fault. That's not the Christian life defeated like that. This is, I'm gonna focus on Jesus. The world can break out in chaos. You can say that, you can do that. Those do affect me. I am human, but you know what? I've got a peace greater than that that you can't take away. You can't take away. John 14, verse 27, Jesus says it this way, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He knows right where we need peace. It's the area of fear. It's the area of fear. What are you really afraid of? That's where Jesus wants to bring you peace. Even death itself, Jesus will give you peace. I've been with people in their final 
breaths, their final moments, and they have peace in their soul. Their body's about to say goodbye, but they have peace in their soul. Other people, final breaths, they don't have peace in their soul. Jesus will give you peace even in your final breaths. He's greater, he's defeated death, and he's greater than the fears we have. It's been said, our last breath on earth is our first breath in heaven. This foe called death, Jesus has defeated death, despair, and the devil, and we can walk in that assurance right now. His peace, his peace. What is this shalom peace? It's offered to you. We all have blockers. Sometimes it's sin. Sometimes we're not in step with the spirit. Sometimes we haven't really surrendered. We're just singing the songs, but we haven't really surrendered. Those block peace. Peace can increase, peace can decrease, but this peace is powerful and good. It's to be received, and that's what we wanna do right now. The peace of Jesus, you're made for this peace. Your soul, your body, your mind, you were built to receive this peace. When you trust him, it's based on his promises, his faithfulness, Continue to honor him, trust him with the results, surrender to him. Jesus himself, the Bible says, is our peace. And shalom leads to one other phrase. I wanna end on quorum Deo, which means in the presence of God. Shalom, the peace of God. Well, where do you find that? You find that quorum Deo, in the presence of God. Face, seeking God's face not just his blessings, in his presence. Surrendered, worship, draw near, seek his his, uh, goodness. It's all there. It's all there. Go to the Lord right now. We're gonna go to the Lord in prayer and I'm gonna invite the elders to come forward. And as they come forward, maybe you're here today and you haven't put your trust in the Prince of Peace, Jesus, And you can do that today and you can come forward. Maybe you have, but you haven't been baptized yet. You come forward, say, I'm ready. Coming forward, this is a time of prayer and we wanna pray for healing. If you have been struggling with your mental health, you come forward and just say, I need prayer for my mental health right now. Anxiety and fears are getting the worst of me right now. Or your physical body. Maybe the doctors have told you a condition in your body. Well, you come forward for prayer. It's good to get the medical help also. There's the spiritual component of bringing that to the Lord. Come forward for prayer right now. The elders have oil. That's from James chapter five. They're gonna simply ask you, what do you need prayer for? You share that. They're gonna anoint with oil and pray over you. It's not the elders or the oil, but our God answers prayer. It's not even prayer itself. It's our God who answers prayer. And God wants to move right now. This isn't a moment to be missed. This isn't a moment to be missed. We're gonna seek God together. Go ahead and stand up right now. Let's stand up. Father, we stand up in your presence to honor you. We seek you with our hearts. Guide this time of prayer and we commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Start to make your way forward. If your marriage needs prayer, come forward. If you wanna turn from sin today, come forward. Come forward and let's pray with the elders.